we have said basically that there are certain activities in in life that are purely sacred and there are some activities that are purely secular when everything that we do as Christians should be considered sacred. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining Unapologetic Kingdom Podcast. Today, we've got a great episode. We're going to be talking about, um, is it ever right to fight? Is is violence ever appropriate for a Christian? And what does that look like when it comes to Christians and our society? Uh, we hope that you enjoy this episode. Stay tuned. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Daniel 3.16 For the Lord loveth judgment, and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land, and dwell therein forever. Psalm 37, 28, 29 This is the Unapologetic Kingdom Podcast. All right, so I have a question, and I want to see what you have to say about this. All right. I'm going to read a scripture um, first, and then I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, The scripture is found in Matthew chapter number 5, and verse number 37 and 38. It says, but let your communication be a... Uh, let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more in these cometh of evil. Ye have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Okay, here's the question. Is there ever a point in a Christian's life where right or correct morality should be fought for? Yes. That was fast. There Uh, we go. All right, guys. Okay, this podcast is over. Uh, let me let me put it in context. Um, when you say the word fight, we've got to get down to definition because the Apostle Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished my course. Okay. He also said we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Right. He said we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So his fight was a different definition than our physical put up your dukes and fight. Um, things worth fighting for. Uh, there's plenty of things that are worth fighting for. Uh, it is the tenacity and it is the grit. It is the uh, things of life that you hold dear uh, that are plenty worth fighting for. So uh, in that context, if you were to keep reading uh, when it says, um, resist not evil, who shall smite thee on the right cheek, give him the other also. If you continue that, it, it goes into legalities and it says, if any man will sue thee at the law, and take away thy coat, give him thy cloak also. So he's not necessarily talking about fighting here in a physical way uh, exclusively. And whosoever shall compel thee to go one mile, go with him twain. Okay, uh, let me let me let me maybe specify: Is violent action ever necessary in a Christian's life? Uh, okay, that would be more definitive. Yeah. 
Um, let's let's uh, before we just say yes or no because that's not really a yes or no uh, answer in my opinion. Um, let's let's say this: um, the Bible is the bloodiest book ever written. The Bible is full of violence. Now, does that mean God approved of it? Well, uh, let, let's talk about the Old Testament. Uh, and you're going to say, well, that's the Old Testament. I, I understand that. It is the Old Testament. We are under a new covenant. We are under a new testament. But to get God's um, business done, there was violence. Uh, he commanded his own people to go and wipe out the Amalekites. That means kill them. <laughs> that means in a time of war or in a time of uh, declared um, rightful time of war, God directed his people. Mm -hmm. And so in, that, of course, is in the Old Testament. Uh, now, now some people may have problems with this. They may say, well, see, that's why I don't believe the Bible, because it contradicts itself. Because in Exodus chapter 20, it says, thou shalt not kill. Well, that's a, a different story, because the word kill there comes from a Hebrew word, R-A-T-C-A-S-A-C-H. And that word is really in Hebrew, thou shalt not murder. See, David was in war, and that's why it was murder when they killed um, the Saul's general, because it was a time of peace, and it was not war. Well, David killed a whole bunch of people. You're right. He did. But in time of peace, God looked at it differently, and it was called murder. And there was a time to stand up for God's well, people, and it in, was war. Even in that same book, you said Exodus 20 says, Thou shalt not kill. Well, if you keep going, Exodus chapter 22 and verse 2, it says, If a thief be found breaking up and be smitten that he die, there shall no blood be shed for him. Right. Saying basically, if a thief comes in your house and you defend yourself and you end up killing him, um, all is fine because he was he was in the wrong he was in the wrong correct yeah, yeah. okay so this scripture that you read however said it hath been said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth well that has been said in the past time yes we are now in a time of grace a time of love jesus christ the epitome of love uh and he said somebody uh, slaps you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. Uh, I understand all that, and, and I, I agree with all of that, and I believe that it's more than just your cheek. Um, let me, let me uh, go to Luke chapter 3 and just throw this on you real quick, uh, and it's going to kind of blow you out of the water. Uh, Luke chapter 3 and verse number... Um, 12 okay these people are coming to john the baptist and john the baptist is uh, preaching the gospel and said the kingdom of god is at hand uh repent be baptized and and come uh to be baptized of john 
So then it says, then came also publicans to be baptized and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? Well, that's a, that's a good question. And he said unto them, exact no more than that which is appointed unto you. So don't scrape off the top. Don't, don't tell these people that their taxes are four pence when it's only two pence, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, be honest. And the soldiers likewise demanded him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. So what do you do with that scripture? Sure. I can, I can, I can do something with that scripture. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Soldiers, uh, especially back then. So let me kind of back up to explain what, I'm t- what, what, what Jesus was talking about when he was saying, uh, turn the other cheek. When, when scriptures like love your enemies and turn the other cheek, I believe that this is, this is instruction for uh, people in, in interpersonal relationships. So uh, with your neighbor, uh, Bible says to live peaceably with all men, etc., etc. He, he is not prescribing these things to governments or to um, institutions that are actually ordained by God in order for protection and for the, um, for the order of morality to be maintained w- within a society. He's talking about you personally. Don't, don't, uh, 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 don't retaliate an, an, an insult to your neighbor when he insults you. Turn the other cheek. That's basically what he's saying. He's not saying... Let the thief come in and kill your whole family. Well, if that were loving to your enemy, how much love is that for your family? You see what I'm saying? It's contradictory here. Oh, yeah. So when when you actually read Luke chapter 3 and verse number 14, and it says, And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely. What John the Baptist is actually saying to these soldiers is, Don't abuse your station. Because a, a soldier's tendency, because a soldier has, especially back then, they have access to that authority, they have access to weapons, so their tendency was to exert, or, or to overly exert, just like he told the publican, don't take more than what your taxes are. Uh, I see. But he's saying, don't abuse your position, and then the next statement he says, and be content with your wages. He didn't say, go turn in your, uh, your, your sword and stop being a soldier. No, no, no. John the Baptist is saying, we should have soldiers. Be content with your wages, but don't abuse your authority. I got you. You see what I'm saying? I think that's what Luke chapter number three. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, verse number 14 is. Well, that lends itself um, to the definition here in the Greek that says violence uh, means to intimidate. And to shake thoroughly. Mm-hmm. So they were intimidating foes. I mean, sure. they were pretty, they had all their armor on. They could mm-hmm. press somebody into giving them money or do whatever they wanted them to do. So Absolutely. That especially makes sense. Especially in that area, there was a lot of um, there was a lot of uh, infighting, but there was a lot of hatred between the Romans and the Jews. Um, and so, Roman soldiers, because the Jews really had no recourse, uh, Roman soldiers would often. Um, they would abuse their power and their and, and their station. They would, you know, they would. Uh, 
take take money or they would they take would break advantage. in they would take advantage uh they would treat them like dogs really i mean that was that was kind of that that hatred between the romans and the jews at that time gotcha gotcha well that actually makes a lot of sense uh that makes a lot of sense. It, it would have been different if John said, go turn in your sword and stop being a soldier. Right. Like, that would have been different, but he didn't say that. He said, be content with your wages. Okay. We need soldiers. All right. So, <clears throat> let's bring that to modern day. Uh, is it wrong for a Christian to, and many believe this, uh, many in the mainstream apostolic movement believe this, that we are to be pacifists. And we are not to enroll in a military might. Uh, if we do, we are only supposed to be in a, <clears throat> a benign representative role of medic or help or paperwork or etc. Uh, and not to carry a gun, not to kill anybody, not to um, shoot, uh, you know, drive tanks, whatever. Where does a Christian properly draw the line of, I want to defend my country? Yeah. Well, I mean, we could even start there. Is our country evil? Because there were men that rose up against um, uh, tyranny, and they decided to start the 13 colonies, and they were killing people. Mm -hmm. They had to break away uh, to form their own government that would be a constitution yeah. that would be free to worship God was all that evil are, are we living in an evil United there's people that believe that we are living living in an evil United States that we're terrible people that we got this by murder and and where's where's the line what should we draw how do we justify all this well what's you know what's your opinion on? Uh, the 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 origin of the United States. I think I think that the use of force in certain in certain cases is not only justified, but not doing so is actually a dereliction of duty. And here's what I I mean. You I'm I'm sure you've heard the statement. Uh, the only the only thing that needs to happen for evil to succeed is for good men to do nothing. Right. Um, that is absolutely true. You could just go back to each to each instance. If 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 the Allied um, forces in World War II had never gotten involved in World War II, what sort of society would have resulted as of, uh, of Hitler being successful in his campaign to uh, conquer the then known world? What sort of evil would have take, taken place on a world stage had the Allied um, forces not gotten involved in World War II? Yeah, you could go back each each. Uh, what 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 would have happened if the North? surrendered to the south in the civil war what sort of evil would have continued to happen in our country we we might still be we we, we might still have uh, um slaves uh, had had the civil war not taken place um in the case of the revolutionary war what sort of um country would we currently be living in now obviously i'm not, i'm not saying that we, it would be it would be insanely bad, but what the the the, the colonists wanted were a couple of things. They wanted 
Um, they wanted a new republic. They wanted uh, a government by the people and for the people. And they wanted freedom of speech. They wanted freedom of religion. Um, they wanted... Freedom to bear arms. Free, freedom to bear arms. They wanted all these different human rights that they uh, instilled in, in the Bill of Rights. Um, and I believe that that event actually changed the course of history, not just for America, but for the entire world. Because as as that enlightenment happened in America, the entire world started going that way. Then then you actually had some of the European countries start to uh, follow it in the in those footsteps. And there was a lot of ups and downs and wars and all kinds of stuff. But it, but eventually it had a a, a a a great effect. And I think that the founding fathers. Uh, knew that what they were doing or at least they felt what they were doing was God ordained that God was uh, ordaining this and that um, well if you just look at the odds if, if you look at the odds of what happened in the Revolutionary War you would have never guessed that a ragtag team of American colonists would have beaten the might and the power of the of the British Empire right. it, it just it didn't seem conceivable yet it happened and I believe that God uh, had a hand in that um, and so to say that that fighting for or, or, or using violence is never uh, is never appropriate. I don't think it squares up with just common sense, but then I also don't even think it squares up uh, with the Bible. I think um, I think it's right uh, to fight for right. <laughs> <laughs> it's always right to fight for right. So how do you balance that uh, with the um, Love your enemies and pray for them. Mm -hmm. um, on a, you're saying that that's the personal level, correct? And that there is a corporate level or a national level correct. of which we need to be safe. There's there's institutional there's institutional things that God God even set up. God set up government, and uh, God set up uh, even capital punishment. Um, Jesus even affirms capital punishment in in the book of John. So there are institutional things um, that uh, that need to be in place in order for for morality to to flourish and to continue in our society. But Jesus is on a personal level saying, "Love your enemies." That statement wouldn't even make sense if violence was never appropriate. Because on its face, you're saying, love your enemies. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. the, 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 there's, <laughs> there's obviously contention there, uh, or else they wouldn't be your enemy, right? There's obviously contention there. So I think, uh, I think just a common sense understanding would say, yes, love your enemy, but also you can defend yourself. In, in, in the event that a... That a um, a person, in fact, a lot, a lot of scholars even even agree to this. When Jesus says, "Turn the other cheek," if if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn turn, turn the other cheek, uh, for for him to slap you on the left. When Jesus says this, he's not he's not talking about a physical uh, assault or a physical attack. He's talking about insult. He's talking about a, a pettiness, uh, um, a um, 
a hatred towards you, right? Just yeah. So he's saying return uh, good for evil. But it was that same Jesus that took up a whip and went into the temple and literally beat the money changers out of the temple. Why did Jesus do that? Because he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. He was fighting for what was right. They were corrupting the moral and he was fighting for that morality. And I think uh, if we were to take our our cue and our lead and our example from Jesus, I think uh, we would have a much more balanced view of this and not a pacifist across the board, but understanding that there is a time uh, to stand up and to uh, defend that which is right and defend yourself and defend those you love. Like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll reiterate it. Is, is loving your enemy letting an intruder come into your house and mow your family down? I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think Jesus was saying that. No. <clears throat> uh, that scripture that you referenced, uh, in the new Testament, uh, that possibly would look at capital punishment, uh, is Romans chapter 13. And let's read a few f- verses here. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but God by, of God. <coughs> Excuse me. The powers that be are, are ordained of God. Whosoever res- uh, therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resisteth shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror of good works, but to evil. Uh, wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Uh, do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenge, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject." Um, uh, can I can I just uh, couple that with this? Sure. So, John chapter nineteen, verse number eleven. Jesus is standing for before Pilate, and Jesus answered and said, "Thou couldest have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above." Right. Jesus is basically saying that God has given Pilate at that point, because he's the representative of the current government of of that point. God has given. Pilate the right to what he was doing. He was being, he was sitting in the place of government, not because of man, but because God, the institution of government is God's idea, which is what is is being said in Romans 13. Gotcha. So, really, um, when we talk about governments, when we talk about kingdoms, when we talk about presidents and kings, etc., we're knowing that God is in charge. God sets up kings and sets, brings them down, etc. Um, so when it said here, uh, and in our first scripture in Romans 13, uh, that he is a minister of good to basically dispatch evil. What happens when the minister of good turns evil? Do we have a right to go against the government? Do we have a right to fight for our uh, inalienable rights given by God? Yeah, I think um, 
I think there's a, a scripture, I have to find it, but it says, we'd rather obey God than man. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, whenever, it's whenever the government violates the moral law of God that we as citizens uh, can um, stand firmly and not comply with, with those sort of edicts. Um, our current government is unique because our current government has actually instituted in the Constitution a right to protest. So if we don't like a law, we can protest, we can enact new legislation to overwrite that um, that uh, immoral law. We can. We, there's a lot of recourse that we can do. In fact, even the Second Amendment of being able to bear arms is not for the case of hunting, as so many would say. If you read the Second Amendment, it says a well-ordered militia, uh, and this is this is to be a checks and balance against our current government. That if they get out of line and they start. Uh, displaying the same behaviors that the tyrannical British monarchy was uh, back in the 1700s, that a well-ordered militia would be in place that could uh, go against that and and um, maintain uh, our current republic. Now, there's been a lot of overreaches and a lot of violations of our constitution, but because there has been this kind of pacifist view that started in about the 1920s of this, and it's not just pacifism, it's this whole separation, this bifurcation of secular and sacred, saying everything that is secular is secular and everything that it has to do with saving one's soul is sacred and there should be a separation. Um, that started in about the 1920s and we're living the results of that happening and now we have corruption in politics, we've got corruption at every side, we've got uh, the LGBT com community uh, uh, right in the mainstream, um, there's a lot of things that are a result of the church basically getting out of, out of society, basically just vacating society, leaving politics, culture and entertainment and all these things and letting secularism just do its own thing um, this has been a a, a, a catastrophic thing that's happened to our nation because of this sort of thinking. And, and, and I would say that that's wrongheaded. And the Bible says to be salt and light to the world, that we need to be influencing our world on every level of, of our society, from culture to, to, to entertainment, to politics, to media, to all these different things. Our church, uh, not our church, the church needs to re-engage in these things in order for the church to honestly do what it's supposed to be doing, and that is being salt and light in our world. And that includes our military that includes our police and law enforcement and and th those positions are there for the very reason of fighting against evil of using force uh to to combat the forces of evil and i i don't think i think to neglect that those areas military and law enforcement for a christian um is actually a dereliction of duty that we Christians need to be doing that all the more, not not avoiding them in this in this kind of 
twisted understanding of the word of God and this pacifist understanding throughout the Bible, even in the New Testament, there was a there was very much a recognition of government, uh, of, of, of the institution of government and also the institution of, of a military and a law enforcement. John the Baptist is, isn't the only one. Jesus uh, does this in, in John chapter nine and. Um, Paul does this even later when he's being guarded by the by the soldiers. Um, he 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 acknowledges their authority uh, when they're when they're um, when they're guarding him. So I think um, yeah, I just I, I think I think we've we've gotten a little wrongheaded on this particular topic uh, in the in in the Christianity sphere. And that's and that's the catch twenty two. Many Christians uh, without thinking too much in depth about it think i don't want to get involved in all that because it's all evil it's all lies it's all politics how can you tell a politician is telling a lie when his mouth is moving yeah i mean it's that type of our our current our current political system is unfortunately corrupt but it's corrupt because we vacated the that that space there you go um but so Yes, it it would be difficult for a Christian to get now reengaged in the political system. I believe you can do it. It would take a strong Christian who um, has a has a right relationship with God and who keeps themselves in subjection to the Spirit and make sure that that they are not swayed by corruption and can be bought off and and all these different things and get involved in these different things. But I absolutely believe there should be a blitz of Christians in our political system. We might actually see something get done. We might actually see some some overturning of, of some of these immoral laws if Christians actually got involved in politics uh, once more. I see. I got you. And that scripture that you said earlier was Acts chapter 5 and verse number 29. Uh, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. So uh, if we have laws that are contrary to the word of God, obviously uh, we're going to obey the word of God. So let's just throw this out there. So when this whole COVID thing tries to come back Mm -hmm. and they tell us that we cannot congregate, what are we going to do? I think the first time was a great learning experience and we should take all of the lessons and apply them and... Every church, every church leader should take this approach. We'd rather obey God than man and not comply with the evil mandates of this particular uh, administration and this political system. Um, we should not comply whatsoever with it. Um, we, shouldn't have, we shouldn't have done it the first time, but I'll give us a pass. We, we didn't know what we were dealing with. But now we've seen what it is it's literally just the government trying to control the population um we should not comply gotcha what do you do with those people that still believe it that still believe uh that we need to obey whatever the government says if the government says that this is covid is going to be bad then we we believe that what about that naive person that believes everything that the government tells them? <laughs> what do you do with that? Person? Well, unfortunately, you have this integration between it because it's not only the the government what's telling you; it's the media. The media and the government are are working hand in hand. Uh, 
for this propaganda to go out and to influence the masses and tell them uh, what what they should be thinking. <laughs> um, I don't know what I would tell the person that believes. To, to me, it's obvious. To me, it's very plain as the nose on your face that the government is is, is doing certain things in order to control the population. Can um, I give a suggestion? Sure. Turn off your television. <laughs> It's a great suggestion. Why do they? Why do you think they call it programming? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we are in an information war right now in America, and there is a huge push to push the agendas that are totally contrary to this word. Yeah, and we need to be involved. I, I believe, like you said, we need to fight. In that way, in that respect, we need to fight for what is right. We need to vote for what is right. We need to get involved. Maybe I should run for mayor. Or I something. would. I would. I would go and and whew, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I would go as far as to say that I I don't want to see this happen. I'm not advocating for this to happen, but we may get to a point where. Taking up arms is a necessity. I'm not saying I want that to happen. All right, all of you people in YouTube land. <laughs> I'm not advocating for it. I'm not saying we should do this. But I'm saying it, we, it might get to the place where... And it would be where, legal because of our Constitution. I, be, I believe so. Allows I, I believe you could. That. I believe you could legally argue that taking up arms in the event of the the government overreaching which the government vastly overreached uh in 2020 and the years following if they try to do this again i believe you could legally uh argue that that sort of measure uh would be within within the rights of the people do you think god would bless that well I'm not God. <laughs> um, I think I think God blesses. I think God blesses causes with the right uh, objective. So if if we get off and we we I say we if a certain group of people get off and they start to take up arms for the sake of violence or for the sake of power or for the sake of all this uh, and and they and they become what they're fighting no i don't believe god will bless that right um, but i think god blesses causes um that are moral and that are just as in 1776 as in the formation of the united states of america as in the religious right and the religious freedom of uh, people that wanted to break out of tyranny. I believe, and this is just my belief, some people may not believe this, I believe that those men were blessed by God. I believe that George Washington, John Adams, uh, I, I believe our founding fathers were praying men, they were religious men. They wanted to do what they honestly felt God wanted them to do. Let me read this. Following the Constitutional Convention, a woman asked Benjamin Franklin 
what kind of government he and his fellow founding fathers created for the nation. Franklin replied, a republic, if you can keep it. Franklin knew that freedom must always be defended, that the unalienable rights for which our founding fathers pledged their lives, fortune, and sacred honor were never secure unless an informed electorate held their representatives accountable to uphold those moral rights. Wow. That's very profound. Uh, very profound. Um, I believe it was Ronald Reagan that said something very similar um, to uh, keep the freedom was not going to be easy. Yeah. Uh, so you have to, well, it is in the unregenerate heart of man, it is the propensity for selfishness and greed. And therefore, uh, you have to be born again. You have to be regenerated by the power of God in order to have proper morals. And we need those type of people in our government, unfortunately. Um, we see a lot of selfishness and greed and corruption and deception. Yeah. We, we've definitely gotten, we've definitely just, we've really gotten way off as a society thinking that secularism is secularism and the sacred is the sacred and, 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 and bifurcating those two and not allowing there to be this uh, integration. Because um, in 1647, uh, the Massachusetts law established the first public school and the school was to teach kids how to read the bible so that the old deluder satan could not deceive them wow that's how much <laughs> the sacred and the secular at that one point in our in our in our history was so intertwined we need to get back to that yes where our 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 culture is influenced by the kingdom of God. Our, where the kingdom of God is is prevalent within every sphere of our society. Yes. Now you can't even bring a Bible or pray in the school. Correct. And yet that was the textbook of that day. How far we have gone. I understand that, and I I feel very sad about that how did those early ministers of the 1900s and the mid uh, 1900s why did they did they believe separation of church and state why did they preach so heavily i remember even as a child uh, i was never never to go into the military mm. uh, that that type of thinking the political uh, stage was never, never for a Christian. It was always, as you said, separate. How were they uh, thinking? Were they going to win the whole world and not need that? Or how, how are they going to win the world if they're not uh, communicating or uh, with the world? Jesus came and he ate with publicans and sinners. Yeah. I'm going to read this, this paragraph. It says... Uh, and, and this is from a man named Frank Turk on crossexamine.org. I'm not trying to take credit for what he said. This is, this is from him. He says, They began abandoning it in earnest in the 1920s. 
That's when an anti-intellectual movement called fundamentalism led believers to separate from society rather than reform it and to bifurcate life into two separate separate spheres, the sacred and the secular. Reason was given up for emotionalism, and only activities that directly saved souls were deemed sacred. Everything else was considered secular. Careers in clergy and missions were glorified at the expense of everything else. That led too many believers to leave public education, the media, law, and politics in the hands of the unbelievers. Is it any wonder why those areas of our culture now seem so godless? Take the influence of God out, and that's what you get. Oh, man. That is a mouthful right there. That is so true. So we have made a mistake in becoming too spiritual for our own good. Yeah. We have said basically that there are certain activities in in life that are purely sacred and there are some activities that are purely secular when everything that we do as Christians should be considered sacred. Yeah. Because it should all be done unto God. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's imperative that we get involved in our community now. If every Christian, every church, every person had this mentality that I live in America, so therefore I'm going to influence America mm-hmm. toward a, a godly perspective, a, a worldview of in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth instead of some gobbledygook of a Big Bang theory 30 trillion years ago or something ridiculous. Did you know Paul is a tent maker? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. Well, I'm just saying he had a what we would consider a secular job. Yeah. Even while he was preaching. Yeah, that's true. It's very true. We shouldn't just glorify ministry as if it's the only um it's the only vocation in which somebody can be doing something of meaning. We should encourage those like like this, it says, re-engage at every level of society. Treat every job and every person as sacred. Be a beacon for Christ and truth in whatever you do and wherever you are. There is hope if you act. After all, we believe in redemption. Amen. Boy, that's well said. Well, that wraps it up for us today. A very interesting uh, topic. Um, We hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Um, If you did enjoy, we just ask that you do us a favor. If you would just uh, comment and like and then maybe share this video with somebody who you think might find this interesting, we'd really appreciate it. It doesn't cost you anything to do it, and it really helps us out growing this podcast. So we just want to say once again, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. God bless. God bless.